Welcome to the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus of an Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. Welcome to Season 2. First, I have to apologize if my voice is a bit grating today. Murphy's Law of Podcasting says that anything that can go wrong will go wrong with the launch of a new season. That includes my voice. Luckily, I'll be talking to a doctor very soon. If anybody needs catching up, like I said, my name is Chess. By day, I am an engineer at NASA's Kennedy Space Center. And by night, my passion is figuring out why games are so magical. I used to do that by just playing them all the time. But now, I have this podcast where I interview people all around the world and in all walks of life about how video games have influenced their life and their work. This episode marks the start of a series on games and mental health. Seven episodes on how games affect the mental health of the people who play them. In this series, we will be covering everything from what to do about gaming addiction to how we can design games to treat mental health conditions. Starting it off is my interview with Dr. Jennifer Hazel. She is the founder of Checkpoint, a nonprofit that promotes awareness and provides resources to the gaming community for mental health. We will talk about which video game that gamers find the most helpful for their mental health. This episode is brought to you by Discord. Discord is an all-in-one voice and text chat platform designed for gamers and is free to use on your desktop phone or tablet. Use it to co-op with friends or to discover new communities of gamers to play with. Get started with Discord by checking out the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord server, the place to discuss how games impact people. Just go to discord.gg slash plus 7. That's discord.gg slash plus and the number 7. Now, to the interview. Alright, I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Hazel. She is a psychiatric doctor and the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Checkpoint. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. What made you first start thinking about video games and mental health? For me, it was a very natural progression of two things that I already loved in my life. I've been a gamer since maybe four or five years old when me and my mum used to play Mario together. And then um, I graduated as a, a medical doctor in 2011. And as I progressed through my career and I specialized in mental health, I began to realize what a crossover there had been, not just for me personally, but for a lot of people in my friend groups, um, in my, my social networks online, where gaming had been a benefit to them for their mental health journeys over the course of their life. And I began to think, well, is there something to that? And the more I explored both clinically and then by kind of uh, trying to provide support for others in the community, the more I realized the potential there and that there was this huge niche that we could kind of sneak into particularly in the the Australia um, Pacific region and so to legitimize that work we we started a, a company and I guess the rest as they say is history that was about 
nearly two years ago now, it's coming up to our second anniversary. What are some of the mental health issues or stigmas are priorities for Checkpoint? Our main agendas, our main aims, our mission is to raise awareness for mental health issues. And what mm-hmm. that means is is normalizing the language around mental health, talking about it openly and without barriers to enable people to reflect on their own mental health in that that's something that we all have. It's a journey that we're all taking. Everybody has health. Everybody has mental health. So you don't need to have a mental health issue to reflect on your own mental health levels and your own coping resources. So we try and raise awareness for the common mental health issues like depression, like anxiety, um, like uh, social issues um, and particularly things that the gaming community face, like social anxiety. Um, We raise awareness for things that don't have a label, things like issues with self-esteem and self-confidence, managing stress, getting through a tough time, and how to tap into personal resources using the power of video games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we try and reduce stigma, as you say, by using normalising language by openly talking about these things and letting people know that you don't have to hide away you it's okay to talk about these issues and it's okay to be vulnerable you will be supported and showing people where to get that support and how we tie that into video games is we use the language of video games and the media of video games to communicate to gamers in a way that they understand in a a place that they're familiar they feel at home a community that they know already supports them because the gaming community is so wonderful it's so close-knit and everybody is is so passionate about this medium and it's a really natural environment to opportunistically educate about this stuff because people kind of naturally come together and support each other and in addition to that we kind of go in the other direction so we look at how games can improve mental health issues um, by using clinical research and investigating on an anecdotal level you know who gets what benefit from which games and why so that people can use that for their personal journey yes i was going to ask about how checkpoint supports clinical research about video games and mental health so in terms of supporting others um, we like to highlight important pieces of research on our website we share articles and we try to make them very accessible so you don't need to you know, be a, an academic to, to understand what we're going on about. But by bringing those specific specialised academic papers to an audience that's not familiar with them and explaining, you know, this this is what this paper means. This is this team took X number of people. They um, made them play this video game and they looked at this outcome in their anxiety. And that's what that meant. Um, so we highlight those. And then we also do our own. We're currently in the process of, uh, we've just had the analytics done and I'm um, writing up our final paper on the psychological benefits of video games. That's something that we um, we did a big survey for last year. Is there anything from that, that that's uh, ready to share? Mm-hmm. Um, my favourite piece of information from that study um, is that RPGs are apparently amazing. (laughs) So um, a lot of the results were very much what you would expect. Um, And as someone who understands games, to me it was like, oh, okay, that's no surprise whatsoever. So, for example, um, people who are playing multiplayer games 
have more social benefits than people who are playing single player. Like that's, you know, you, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist, which is presumably what you are, to um, <laughs> to understand that that's probably a link. Um, but then there was more s- subtle ones that you can reflect on and be like, oh, yeah, that, that does make sense. Like, so, for example, more so than any other genre, um, people found that stealth games were very powerful at giving them a sense of feeling competent so competence is that that sense of being challenged and then being able to overcome the challenge and you can definitely understand on reflection how a stealth game would allow you to feel that way because it's it's not as reactive and fast-paced as a a first-person shooter for example something that you have to really slow down and think about and execute an enormous amount of skill a lot less luck it's more absolutely your skill your choices what leads you to success absolutely and then what we found that was really impressive was um rpgs were by far the most played game by far the most um beneficial genre of game which was disproportionate to how many people played it so that the benefit was you know statistically significant as opposed to just because lots of people played them and they also tapped into a whole bunch of mechanisms so people who play rpgs um they get social benefits even if they're playing them single player because of the richness of the world presumably and because of the um incredible amount of interaction between yourself and, and npcs and they also gave people an enormous sense of autonomy so being in control which is a really really strong motivating factor um, and leads into something that we call self-determination theory which is a a combination of autonomy competence and relatedness and that improves your motivation it makes you feel good it's really really strongly linked to positive well-being so rpgs are able to actually tap into all three of those components very reliably across the board and that was regardless of people's age it was regardless of um, the gender that people identified as and regardless of where they were in the world yeah that's really interesting and a lot of modern games have rpg elements no matter what the type of game is at least some of the elements from a genre that seems to be really beneficial are moving on to to other genres of games that's really interesting Yeah, absolutely. And what you raised there is something that is definitely going to be a direction for future study because so many games these days are mixed genre and that makes research really difficult. Games are really difficult to research anyway because you can't really control the environment. There's Hmm. so many factors that you can't control for. There's so many variables, you know, between graphics between the way that it's programmed like if there's a lot of bugs in the game or if the controls aren't intuitive it's going to be more frustrating regardless of the content matter and you might not get the same benefits um mechanically and the challenge level there's all these different variables that are really really difficult to reliably control for and that's if you're looking between games you you can't control at all between a game and a non-game environment like you can't tell someone like you can't blind that you know like you you Mm. can't put someone in a room and say this these people could be playing video games or might not be like they know (laughs) they know whether they're doing that i've seen that you've put out some recommendations for games to play that can help with certain mental issues do you want to talk about those and a little bit about 
how we know that it helps if it's, like you said, the collection of user experiences or if there's reliable research behind why you recommend them? The research at the moment is in a developing space. We've got research that specific casual games can improve depression and anxiety. And by that, I mean games that are just off the shelf, not games that have been made for this purpose, games that you can just buy in the shop when used in a specific way at a moderate level and with the benefits in mind it's been shown that that games can uh, improve depression anxiety to the extent of being the same level as treatment as usual if that makes sense so like whatever the, the normal person would prescribe or whatever therapy that they're getting I would obviously recommend them being used as an adjunct with that. And it's definitely better than waiting lists. So they're definitely better than doing nothing, Mm. um, which is really cool. In terms of specific conditions being linked to specific games, we've basically got like, it's not directional, but we have a set of correlations. So we Mm. have a a list of genres that are correlated with um, improvements in certain mental health issues, though, as I say, because it's not directional, you can't say which came first, which was the chicken or which was the egg. But mm. anecdotally, lots of people say, like, I running a business about mental health in video games, I hear at least once a week someone say that video games saved their life or video games helped them get out of, of deep depression or video games were the reason that they were able to overcome their anxiety. It, it happens all the time. And as someone who plays games, like, you can see why. Depression seems to be strongly correlated, or improvements in depression seem to be strongly correlated with um, RPG players we discussed earlier. And the ones that keep coming up again and again and again are Mass Effect and Dragon Age, which are obviously both Bioware games. Um, But Mass Effect in particular just tops the scales every single time, um, which is just fascinating. And I think it must be because of the richness of the world and the fallibility of the main character of Commander Shepard, um, because they are someone who I think um, one of our one of our guests in the Checkpoint series put this really well. Like, if Commander Shepard can be this paragon for humanity and have all of this weight on their shoulders and be able to come out of that, and you're able to lead them to do that then things in this world feel a bit easier, if mm. that makes sense. Because you do yeah. become that like that character. It's so immersive. You become them. You feel like their achievements are your own. I can definitely see that. The Mass Effect series is definitely one of my favorites. I played Mass Effect 2. I beat that game about 10 times. I don't remember exactly <laughs> how many, but it is at least 10. And that's really interesting to me because there's been times of depression in my life and Mm. I've definitely gravitated towards games I definitely saw some benefits with playing games like that playing MMOs uh, also allowed me to have that similar experience but also connect with other people Mm. that's really interesting that specific games from a specific publisher were uh, were so emphasized as something that helped people with depression and another interesting one actually for not you know, not a specific mental health issue, but just kind of struggles and stress in general that always fascinates me is Dark Souls and Demon Souls. 
comes up all the time as people hmm. finding them really beneficial. Um, they're, they're almost as cited as often as, as Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Um, and one of our respondents described it really well is that because um, I, I don't understand that. I don't like <laughs> things being really, really hard. I don't get it. Um, but I understand why people do. Um, and one of our respondents said that the the game's really hard, but it knows you can do it and it wants you to do it. So hmm. you never feel like it's too far out of reach. You feel like you're being challenged and encouraged simultaneously. And when you do get there when you do beat that impossible boss the sense of achievement and the sense of competence is so so strong that it's absolutely understandable that would improve people's self-esteem their self-confidence give them gives them that big kind of endorphin rush that is obviously so helpful for our well-being anyway um it's it's just it's one of the really awesome things about about doing this is that you know when you get to speak to people and you get to do these studies and then you get these results that are like really surprising and you reflect on it and ask people well, why and you uncover this world of, of benefit that you didn't even know existed. So people with anxiety often really crave something that turns off those ruminating thoughts. So they want something that is going to take up a lot of thinking capacity, um, something that's relaxing, something that is going to take them out of the space that their mind has put them in and basically reset the gauge back to normal again. Um, so we hear, we hear a lot of Minecraft, a lot of Stardew Valley being cited for that, um, a lot of the more meditative and mindful games, uh, Monument Valley, lots of valleys, <laughs> um, uh, Breath of Light um, and kind of meditative experiences it's not just black and white it's not if you've got depression go and play this game or um that this type of game is not good for your mental health it's it's never going to be like that games are as varied as we are as people you know everybody is a completely unique combination of strengths weaknesses coping skills vulnerabilities experiences pleasures everybody is a unique scale of all of these things and it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all solution to use personal experience particularly when i was a bit younger um i used to feel very guilty for playing video games because i felt like it was not being productive uh because you know, you don't really achieve anything. You just have this, you just play this game and then you go back to your life and nothing's different. And it wasn't until I started really looking into this stuff and I started being a bit less self-critical that I was able to see games as self-care. And sometimes if I've had a particularly rough time for a little while, I'll play a game all day and not feel guilty about it because that was what I needed that day. And so the next day I'm able to get back and do what I need to do with my life. You know, I'm not shirking my responsibilities. I'm still able to keep up with everything. But one, you know, some days I just want to play 10 hours of Stardew Valley, or I just want to play Spelunky. And that's all I want to do. 
And as long as, you know, I've not neglected anything important, that is absolutely okay and I shouldn't feel bad about it. And it's all about insight and balance. It's just the same as any other activity that we choose to indulge in as adults. Um, if, 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 we're, if we're old enough to make decisions to play the games, then we're old enough to make the decisions about how we should be playing them, if that makes sense. Now a word about this episode's sponsor, Discord. If you're a gamer, you've probably heard the name Discord by now. But maybe you don't know what it is or why everyone seems to have a Discord server now. Discord allows you to join or create a server for free that you can use to connect via voice chat and text chat. Connect with people you know or people you share interests with, like favorite video game genre or favorite streamer. When I first started with Discord, it was like stumbling upon a whole world of gamers I didn't know existed. And some of them would even help me to get through games I've been playing years after they were trending. Did I mention it's free? I have set up a Discord server for Plus 7 Intelligence listeners to discuss the ways that games are impacting the world. I can't wait to hear your stories and chat about the latest gaming news, and to meet up and play some games together. To get started with Discord, go to discord.gg slash plus 7. That's discord.gg slash plus and then number 7. Or within Discord, simply type in plus 7 as a server. I'll have a link on plus7intelligence.com as well. Plus 7 Intelligence is also brought to you by Nerdificent. Nerdificent is a new podcast from comedians Danny Fernandez and Ify Wadiwe. It's a weekly deep dive into nerdy subjects that you didn't know you needed to know about. Whether it's the mind-expanding frontiers of virtual reality or the surprisingly exciting modern renaissance of tabletop games, They'll take you from the origins into the surprising future of each subject, which is a fancy way to say they go down a bottomless Google rabbit hole and tell you about the coolest stuff they find. They recently did an episode on video game violence and how it affects real world crime, and I highly recommend it. They covered a lot of ground on the research and the politics of it. They've also had episodes about Nintendo, Twitch, eSports, cosplay, and more. It's produced by the comedy division of How Stuff Works. Check it out every Tuesday. Listen and subscribe to Nerdificent on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and you kind of answered what was going to be my next question was basically asking about video games and escapism and how we want them to be a positive activity, but how to prevent them from becoming a, a negative activity, a negative habit. So I've got a really um, interesting theory. Well, it's not really my theory. I can't say it's my theory. I read a paper about this from, um, I think it was some uh, someone in Europe's thesis about how escapism isn't really one word or one concept and he described escapism as being branched into two uh, self-suppression and self-expansion so to use video games as an example a self-suppressive activity in a video game would be um, I'm playing this game to pretend my life doesn't exist 
I'm playing it to escape and to remove myself from the world around me because I get something from this game that I don't get in real life. That's self-suppression, so you're suppressing your real life in favour of the game. Self-expansion is what I was describing earlier about using games to improve the real life that you have to lead. So, for example, if you choose to play a game because you know it's relaxing for you and it's going to improve your mental state so that when you turn the game off, you have more tools to face the world and cope with the challenges that the world provides you, that's self-expansion. You're using it for a benefit. And I think that making that distinction is really, really important when we talk about escapism as a concept, because, yes, it absolutely has the potential to be damaging and harmful, but it also has the potential to be really beneficial. And it's all about your motivation going into the game and any activity that you do, that your motivation going into it that determines what you get out of it mentally. That ties into what you were saying before about guilt with playing video games. I definitely had a matching experience that I played a lot of games, a lot of it because I didn't want to deal with my life's problems. And then mm. look back and, you know, a year and a half later, and I've played tons and tons and tons of games, but not a whole lot of actual growth has happened in my life. And, you know, I felt like this complete dread about, well, I... The only thing I know about now is games. That was pretty much my entire life. And that was really embarrassing for me and really made me feel very guilty about my decisions in my life. Of course, I made bad decisions, but, you know, being able to look back on it now with the perspectives you're talking about, how these games can have, they can be positive and they can add spice to your life, add things to your life. And you can look back on your life and see how games have benefited you in the past. And then it kind of changes your perspective about about what that gaming time meant. And a lot of gamers, gaming is a big part of their identity. So being able to reframe how you think about games actually lets you completely retell the story of your own identity. I completely agree with you. And I think that the experience that you and I have had is probably quite similar to a lot of other people who don't work in games or don't have a big social circle in the game community. Um, So obviously being a doctor, no one got it. No, no one understood, like maybe a few people here and there that I worked with, but the vast majority of people that I worked with and when when you do like um, a job that's like, you know, anywhere between 40 and 90 hours a week, that is the majority of your life you're spending in this place with these people and none of them get it. And yet it's the one thing that is your identity. It's your biggest passion. It's something that is completely who you are Hmm. and everyone else around you thinks that it's childish. Like you can easily start to believe that, you know, it is bad for you or that you should feel guilty for indulging in this. Um, And it sounds like you and I have had very similar parts in that we've both said, well, well, no, I believe this can be good. Yes, it can be be bad, but I also believe it can be good. And I want to create a part of my life that embraces that and uses that 
to benefit not only my well-being but also to improve understanding and the well-being of others and to enrich that community so I started Checkpoint you started this podcast and we're both using that as a tool to further the community and also further our own um, lives and identities and I think I think that's brilliant Um, and I would encourage anyone who's in a similar situation to reach out and find gaming friends um, or start something for themselves so that you don't need to feel so isolated in that passion so that you can embrace it as a part of you that you don't need to feel ashamed of that you can use for your own positive well-being and you could be proud that you're doing that because I think it's really important Um, and I you know I, I moved to Australia from the UK five years ago and I decided when I moved I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna do it anymore in terms of like not having any gaming friends so I just started hanging out with gaming people I just started going to events I didn't have anything to be there for I just wanted to meet people um and I did meet people and it was the best decision I ever made because they're my best friends and I started this company um and it just took me going out there and doing it and be like no I'm gonna I'm gonna be the nerd (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna surround myself with 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 my my nerd friends and um and make make my life what I want it to be but it was it was hard it was many years where I, I kind of forgot that it was such a big part of me you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's that speaks to me so much because that's I had a similar experience where I definitely withdrew myself from my friends and then you know, gradually games did help me to build up some friendships. The idea of there being other people out there that felt like I did, that felt crummy for being a gamer, and that they kind of let it drag them down. That's why I like to bring on really interesting, exciting, amazing gamers and people who know and talk about games to uh, talk to my listeners and, uh, you know, give them some inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. Like, if if a doctor can do it, like I had no experience in in games or media or like the entertainment industry whatsoever (laughs) apart from loving it um than than anyone can and even if it's not starting something you know professionally there's there's so many communities it's kind of what what we are like game gaming is a community Hmm. um and if you want to start anywhere then um just a a little self not self-plug but a plug for checkpoint we do have um uh, growing pro mental health gaming community called Gamer Mates that we run through Checkpoint. So we mostly hang out on Discord. And the whole thing is that we hang out, we chat, we play games, we don't bag each other, there's no trolling. Um, every, everything is kind of ensured that we all understand that we all have mental health and we respect each other's mental health. We support each other through hard times and we use gaming to do that. Um, and it's a really, really cool group of people. And I would, anyone can join at any time. It's completely free and you get to kind of stay up to date with what we're doing at Checkpoint as well as make, making some awesome friends. So um, if you are like like us um, and you want more more gaming friends because that's a huge part of your identity, then please do come along and, and chat. Yeah, that's great. And um, yeah, I definitely wanted to hear more about what what you do with Checkpoint, what other support you have. You also put out a, a video series about different mental health topics. Do you want to talk about that? 
Yeah, yeah. So that was um, that's the checkpoint series. It's now completed. Uh, we did. We ran a Kickstarter for it last year, and were overwhelmed by support, which was absolutely wonderful because it's enabled us to not only create the series, but kind of given us a springboard to think about future topics that we can cover. So the checkpoint series is a web series tackling mental health issues using the power of video games. We provide education from real mental health professionals who are gamers. We have interviews from games industry professionals who have lived experience of mental health issues, how they went through it and how they overcame it and how that's related to their life in the industry. And we have lots of resources and actionable advice for anybody who's going through a tough time to help them through it. Uh, So you can go and watch that on youtube.com slash checkpoint organization. Uh, and that's organization with an S, not a Z, because uh, we we use UK English. Um, but if you just Google the checkpoint series, it will it will come up. Uh, so so that yeah, that obviously is available for free. Like all of our mental health resources are completely free. Um, we have a, a membership service if you want to help us out, but no mental health resources are behind a paywall they're all absolutely free for everybody because that i strongly believe that mental health care should be a right not a privilege thank you so much for coming on the show uh this was a, a great conversation and i'm really excited to see what checkpoint is doing and what uh, you continue to do oh absolutely thank you so much i had a great time talking with dr hazel The discussion got to some of the reasons that I started the podcast in the first place and why I think that mental health is such an important topic for video games. And since it came up, I thought I'd share a little bit more about my Mass Effect 2 story. Um, When I discovered Mass Effect 2, I instantly fell in love. I beat it twice on my roommate's Xbox, then bought it for my computer. I beat it with all the six classes. I beat it on every difficulty setting. I beat it again after playing through Mass Effect 1 so I could bring my character through. Somehow I got to 10 playthroughs and around that point Bioware released some statistics about the game including the record for the number of times that someone had beaten the game and it was 17 times. And my first thought when I saw that was I could beat that. (laughs) But and I actually planned to do it. My my first thought was, I'm going to do this. This is going to be my project. But I realized that since I had played it on different systems and different accounts, that two of those playthroughs wouldn't count. So that is where I realized quantifiably how much I loved Mass Effect 2. That I would beat it eight more times to have the world record, but I wouldn't beat it ten more times. So that's my Mass Effect 2 story. And I look back on that and laugh, but this is the perfect example of how someone's relationship with games can be complicated. I enjoyed playing Mass Effect so much. It challenged me and allowed me to grapple with intense moral dilemmas. But looking back, I realize now that I was using the game as a coping mechanism for the stress of college and the depression of loneliness. And I'm sure that it helped some, but... Clearly by the 10th playthrough, it was more about avoiding my problems than coping with them. And this is precisely what Dr. Hazel was talking about with escapism. The first few playthroughs for me were self-expansive. They helped me to get through my life and have 
positive experiences. But as it went on, Mass Effect 2 became a self-suppressive activity because I was using it to try to permanently block out my problems instead of dealing with them. Moral of the story, check your intentions. At least before the seventh playthrough. That's it for this week's Intelligence Boost. Be sure to hit subscribe if you haven't already. You can find the show on Twitter at 7 underscore intelligence. And don't forget to check out the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord server at discord.gg slash plus 7. Stay tuned for the next six episodes as this series on games and mental health is only getting started. In the next episode, I talk with Kelly Dunlap, clinical psychologist slash game designer. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in seven. Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Silver. The Podglomer, a sonic universe. <laughs>